It's a joy to have you all here and to share in the inspiration of this service today. Special welcome to those of you who are here for the first time, perhaps as guests, through the expanding light, and to those of you who are viewing online. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light, and this is weekly commentaries by uh, Swami Kriyananda based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. And this reading uh, for today is entitled, Why Do Devotees Fall? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. An endlessly fascinating question is, Why did Judas fall? after receiving the extraordinary blessing of being accepted into the inner circle of Jesus Christ's disciples. For Judas was one of the twelve apostles. Yet he betrayed Jesus and earned for himself the opprobrium of Christendom for all futurity for his sin. We find Judas reprimanding Jesus just days before that betrayal. Jesus, aware that his disciples would soon be facing with his death the supreme tragedy of their lives, allowed Mary to express her devotion by anointing his feet with costly ointment. This act of wanton waste, as Judas saw it, awakened indignation in that disciple. Why was, was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This, he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and kept the purse and bare what was put therein. Then Jesus said, Let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this, for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Doubt not the power of delusion. Respect it. Indeed, fear it, though not in the sense of cowering before it. For as Yogananda said, one is not safe until he attains nirbhikalpa samadhi, the state of final union with God. Judas, through attachment to money, opened his consciousness to subtle influences, which may be called satanic, that drew his thoughts inward, that drew his thoughts toward other related attitudes, the importance of worldly power, for instance, and of worldly influence. The Bhagavad Gita gives a graphic explanation of how easily the mind can be drawn downward once it begins to feed on wrong attitudes. In the second chapter, Sri Krishna states, If one ponders on sense objects, there springs up attraction to them. From attraction grows desire. Desire, impatient for fulfillment, flames to anger. From anger... There arises infatuation, the delusion 
that one object alone is worth clinging to, to the exclusion of all others. From infatuation ensues forgetfulness of the higher self. From forgetfulness of the self follows degeneration of the discriminative faculty. And when discrimination is lost, there follows the annihilation of one's spiritual life. At the first thought of delusion, Paramhansa Yogananda said, that is the time to stop it. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. like to read from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda. Tune us that we may hear thy voice. Volumes of thy Savior voice resound through the loudspeaker of every loving heart. The voice of thy wisdom roams through the ether of space, seeking everywhere hearts that are tuned to ecstasy. Sadly, thy warning sermons pass unheard by souls deafened with the static of sense pleasure. O divine broadcaster, tune our souls, long distracted by the static of our indifference. Fine-tune us with the delicate touch of soul perception. Grant us the privilege of hearing thy magic melodies in the ecstasy of divine awakening. So, this morning supposed to talk about uh, why devotees fall and um, the analogy that I was thinking of was in uh, Education for Life, Swami Kriyananda refers to it, but when a dense object is in liquid, it sinks and when a large uh, undense object is in liquid, it floats. Swami talks about this in regards to education and to spiritual perception. But in terms of the devotee and falling, it's the same is true, the same principle. We fall when we congregate a lot of energy around the ego. When we put a lot of energy into I, me, mine. Our emotions, our feelings, our separation from the divine. And we fall slowly or uh, quickly. And in the Bhagavad Gita, it sort of traces how the process goes. And poor old Judas uh, is, is the example. I was always thinking, God, if he had only stuck around till Sunday. You know? I mean, it could have been such a better story. But anyway, I don't write the story. Uh, but the point is that we gather energy around the ego. We gather energy around our separation from the divine. And this, bit by bit, deludes us, and delusion is the enemy here, we become separated 
from the divine consciousness. We become separate from the soul within us. And we become identified with our personality and our ego and our worldly attachments and our worldly achievements. And bit by bit, as we congregate and become denser around that ego, we sink and we become further and further distance from the infinite joy of God, from the infinite light of God, from the infinite wisdom and peace of God. And we become more and more immersed in the maya, in the delusion. And this leads to darkness and separation and, and all the things that the Gita is talking about. But at the very end of the reading, Master, uh, Maria read, Master said, try to catch delusion at the very first touch of it. And that's how we prevent falling. Because if you keep going in that direction, there's incredible distance that you can fall. There's incredible depravity in the world. There's incredible depravity in people's lives. And we see it. We also see incredible beauty in the great masters and saints. So we constantly have to be focused on which direction we want to go. We have to keep focused on the up setting, on the joy setting, on the expansive setting. And when Master said that, catch that little thought, the way that we become acclimated to the higher states is to, of course, formal practice of meditation, but it's to tune in and become comfortable with that vibration and that superconscious state. And we become used to it, if you will, such that any tiny little clustering of selfishness, we can feel it immediately and we can stop it. There's a cute story, a very interesting story. I don't know that Swami, well, he did tell some stories that were kind of just for fun, but most of the time when Swami Kriyananda told us a story, there was an important truth in it. And one of the stories that he used to tell us was that when Ananda was first getting established here at the village uh, a long time ago, he was walking home one night and he noticed the little lights in the trailers and the teepees and the little shacks that were Ananda Village, 1970 or something, 72, I guess. And he said, oh, I made that happen. And he caught himself right there with I. I made that happen. And he said to himself, do I like that thought? And he said, no. Master made that happen. God made that happen. That happened through me. And in that way, his consciousness was able to be free. It wasn't clustering. Even the achievements of a wonderful thing. He didn't want any attachments because he knew that freedom and joy come from complete non-attachment and seeing God as the doer and moving your way back up. And so he let it go and felt master was doing it. And this is the thought that we have to carry into our work in a day-to-day basis, into every aspect of our lives, is that we are the vast blue ocean of sky and we're just a frozen little drop of the sky. That's all we are. We are a part of all that is. That's why we say that in the festival. Because we have to shift the focus of our consciousness from the small, dense ego, I did this, I created this, I am fill in the blank, a great doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, whatever it is you are. But you're not that. 
What you are is the soul. And we need to acclimate to that consciousness more and more. Kriyananda could feel just a little bit of downward movement in the thought, I created this. And so he got it right then, when it was just, you know, starting. That sensitivity to the superconsciousness is our greatest aid. You just get used to being expansive. You get used to being relaxed. You get used to being without any ego. And you just get used to being like Rajasi, like Master, like Swami Kriyananda, like fill in the blank your favorite saint or your favorite spiritual teacher. If you're a disciple of this path of Kriya Yoga, we practice a certain set of techniques. But whatever path you follow, the teachings always lead us to the Buddha nature, the big picture, because that's where there's joy. That's where we really live our life, and the soul gets its ascendancy. If the ego gets its ascendancy, we start to cluster, we start to sink, we start to fall. Down, down, down we go. And as the Gita says, if we don't catch it, if we don't reverse it, we go very deep, (laughs) very far down. And as devotees of truth, as truth seekers of any path, we're seeking to get to that place and stay in that place where we identify with the soul, not the body, not the race, not the ethnicity, not your accomplishments, good or bad, not your deficiencies, however great they are, because you are the soul. One of the great things that I just love is is Master one time said to Dr. Lewis, Dr. Lewis was one of his longtime disciples, a very dedicated, sincere uh, disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. And Paramahansa Yogananda, Yogananda said to him, Doctor, remember, God loves you just as much as he loves me. He's our common father. Isn't that incredible? He will say it to each one of you, each one of us. He's your common father. He's, it doesn't matter. God doesn't look at us as our imperfections. I noticed when I first came to Ananda, uh, that Swami Kriyananda treated all of the members of Ananda, and there was about 50 of us, equally. He treated us with respect and kindness, and, but Jyotish and Devi and Seva were here, but he, he treated me with that same respect. I just walked in the door. Who was I? Nobody. But he didn't, he didn't relate to people by what their accomplishments were in life, their age, their uh, you know, state of mind. He related to them as souls. And I'm thinking about it. I realize that when young Don, Donald Walter showed up at, uh, at Hollywood Church, he was 22 years old. And Rajasi was there. Sister Gyanamata was there. Master treated them all the same. Why? Because they're all souls. We have to treat ourselves in that way. We have to think of ourselves as souls. Foremost, I am the little drop of the sky, frozen sky. That's all you are. So how do we do this? Well, first, we have to, the practices give us a firm experience of the superconscious. Energization, we see the body as energy. We draw in energy. We control our energy. We become aware of it and then learn to control it. Hong Saw technique. In, in the Kriya path, this is the mantra 
And this is the practice of I am spirit. Watching the breath and merging with it. Practice Hong Sa deeply. Feel that you are spirit. And when you catch those moments where you really know your spirit, you've lost the time, you don't know where you are, you don't know what body you have, you may have had that experience, you may not, you'll probably have it later this afternoon when you practice, but <laughs> you, you don't even know where you are. Why? Because you're spirit, you're everywhere. You're not a body. That body is just something you're using as spirit. The OM technique, infinite consciousness, Kriya Yoga, the initiation that Yogananda gave. But whatever meditation technique that you use, practice it so deeply and become comfortable in that vastness. Become formless. Lose the body, lose the time of day, lose the job that you have, leave your troubles at the door. We enter a temple, we always take off our shoes. Why? Because the shoes touch the earth. All the contact with the earth stays outside the temple. And the temple, contact with spirit. Contact the spirit and become comfortable with that. So that when you then return to waking consciousness, you stay in spirit, stay vast, stay in that flow where everything is happening in the universe through the grace of the Divine Mother And you're just really observing it. You are doing your best. You are going to school. You do brush your teeth and change your oil and all those things. But but it doesn't really matter. What really matters is that you are the vast blue ocean of sky. You are spirit. You are that place of infinite calmness that you experience in meditation. And you relax with it. And you don't at all personalize it. Then, as your day goes on, you take it to work. You try to practice your work as an instrument, an impersonal instrument. This may help you in some way. Is don't attach to what you've accomplished. I'm really blessed because I have spent the last 40 years working for Ananda. So I don't, I've never made out a resume. <laughs> you know, if, they, if they need me for something, they tell me to go do it. But I've never applied for a job because... Well, since I was 16, but <laughs> there's, there's, I haven't accomplished anything in my life, but God has, through me, through us. There was an interesting thing that Kriyananda said once. He was talking about Ananda as a movement, a worldwide movement in India and uh, Europe and now South America and America. And he said, there is a ray of divine grace that is flowing into the world right now. If we, as Ananda, worldwide, as the Sangha, all members, cooperate with that ray, it will flow through us and energize us. World Brotherhood colonies will happen. The teachings of intentional communities and Kriya Yoga will flow into the world. Then he said, but if we don't accept that and cooperate with it, it will flow somewhere else through someone else. That's cool. That is totally cool because if we get behind it and let Divine Mother do it, it'll flow through us. And if we don't, she'll find somebody else to do it. Luckily, (laughs) we are trying our best to let it flow through us and it's happening. It's happening through her grace. But remember, she's doing it. We're not doing it. We don't do anything. 
We just let her flow. In your own life, try to feel that Divine Mother is flowing through you when you're doing your job. No matter what you're doing, it's either Brahma, Vishnu, or Shiva. It's either creation, preserving, or dissolving. And feel, no matter what you do, if you are a doctor, you're trying to let healing happen. You have to decide what methods, what, what, what is needed. If you work in an office, you're trying to preserve this. You're trying to keep this company going or this bank going or this whatever it is going for the good of the universe. Try to feel that you're an instrument for things and let it flow. And try not to catch on, hey, I'm pretty good at this, you know. <laughs> There's a great story that's told about Krishna and Radha. Radha was the foremost disciple of, of Krishna. And she was a young girl and Krishna was a young guy. And, but he was an avatar. <laughs> but she knew that. She loved Krishna. And she was the most devotional of the disciples. So one day she was really tired. It was really hot. And Krishna gave her a, a ride home. He, gave her, he picked her up in his arms. And he, she's got her, her arms around Krishna's neck and he's carrying her. And he's carrying her home. And just the thought crossed her mind. Krishna really likes me. <laughs> that moment he disappeared. <laughs> she hit the ground. <laughs> Sitting there. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Just for that second, she personalized the infinite love of God into Krishna loves me. It's true. Krishna does love her. Krishna loves each one of us. God loves each one of us. We need to stay as much as we can in that expanded consciousness. Remember Master and Rajasi? Rajasi had all the, the great jobs. He was a CEO and he had all these corporations and he was on the board of directors and he had a citrus farm and he was just super disciple and he had samadhi. And Master would say, don't forget where your power comes from, Rajasi. And Rajasi would say, I won't, Master. It comes from you. He knows. That's why he was the best disciple. Because he never personalized it, so he never fell. He never sank. Whenever you find yourself falling, you'll notice that you feel a little hot, a little sticky, a little small, a little ooh. It's really subtle. If you adapt to that, you become stickier and ooier, and it gets worse. <laughs> That's what the Gita says. But... If you just catch that, and that's what Swami did with the, with the seeing the lights in the trailers. I got it. Wait a minute. That's smallness. I'm not going down. I'm going up. This is master. This is God. This is your guru. This is the great spirit. It doesn't matter what you call it, taught, but be a part of it. You're a part of that. Let it flow through you. And in your work, you get a tremendous sense of freedom. You get a tremendous sense of joy and you're better at what you do because you're not attached to it. It's got to be done this way. How could we have this meeting and it didn't go my way? Maybe it wasn't supposed to go your way. Maybe there's another way. Maybe those other people are catching an insight. It's a, it's a much more relaxed way to live and it gets the continuum of your meditation and your daily life more harmonious. Instead of, I'm meditating on God, okay, now... Get over there. Where's my coffee? You know? <laughs> Relax. Feel the flow. 
and with respect, feel that these other people around you, they're the children of Divine Mother, and God loves them just as much as he loves you. Maybe they're not as advanced. Maybe they're not they're consciously seeking. That's okay. See the God in them. It was really fun to watch Swami Kriyananda when we had left the community deal with outsiders and people who were just waiting on him at the computer store because there was always kindness. There was one story of this young man who uh, wanted to sell Swami a, a laptop computer when they were first invented. And the young man had no energy, literally none. He was supposed to be a salesman. So Swami went up to him and he, he said, well, can you get me this computer? And then I goes, I don't know. <laughs> Swami, <laughs> Swami goes, well, could you phone the head office? Yeah, I guess. Why do you phone the head office? Do they have the computer? And he just walked them through, just step by step. It was just amazing. It, I don't think the guy ever became a disciple, but he was, <laughs> he was giving him a lesson in salesmanship. There's a, there's a man here who wants to buy a product that your company carries, but you don't have in your store. Put out energy. Phone the head office. He, he ended it by saying... Um, so tomorrow, if you get that thing, this young man, and he pointed to me because I was a young man, he said, we'll come and pick it up tomorrow. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like, if there was progress, it was incremental at best. <laughs> but it was cool because I just realized that to Swami Kriyananda, this is God. He's not fully awake yet, but maybe if I help him in his job, he will move towards energy which leads to consciousness and joy. And he didn't mention God or prayer or meditation or anything. That wasn't, he wasn't ready for that. But all creatures, all beings are moving in this direction. And we want all of them to stop falling and all of them to rise. That's the point, is be bigger. Think of yourself as vast, uh, with Master in the poem Samadhi, he talks about uh, I, the cosmic sea, watch the little ego floating in me. Try to, in your day, be the cosmic sea, watching the little ego of, you know, starring you as the person. Oh, isn't that interesting? Boy, he's having a terrible day. You know, gee, this is really horrible, you know. Oh, he's having a wonderful day. Oh, he got a promotion. Isn't that wonderful? But from that distance, you're able to stay in the realm of complete, infinite, expanded consciousness. I'd like to read a brief meditation from Metaphysical Meditations by Paramahansa Yogananda. Find God in joy. No matter what causes it, whenever a little bubble of joy appears in your invisible sea of consciousness, take hold of it and keep expanding it. Meditate on it and it will grow larger. Watch not the limitations of the little bubble of your joy, but keep expanding it until it grows bigger and bigger. Keep puffing at it with the breath of concentration from within until it spreads all over the ocean of infinity in your consciousness. Keep puffing at the bubble of joy until it breaks its confining walls and becomes a sea of joy. It's that simple. Master bless you. <laughs>